Just let me get sorted here for a minute. Is this one working? I think it is. Yes, it is. That's good. That's great. There's an enormous gap here, and I'm struggling with it. I've been struggling with it all morning, so I might do this a bit if that's okay. Um, that'd be wonderful. Uh, if you're here for the first time this morning, um, and there might be a few of you. I, don't, I, I, I might know. I might not know. Welcome. It's great to have you here. Welcome to church. Um, why don't we pray together as we uh, read God's word and figure out what God has to say to us. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we, uh, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you're indeed a God who speaks. Uh, Lord, help us to be people who listen. Help me to be clear and, uh, Lord, faithful to what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Rod, thanks for the, the video. Good job. It's pretty cool. It is um, a new beginnings, you could say, a new era, you could say that too, a new episode, a new year. The start of the year and the school started, it's, it's January, uh, Christmas is done and dusted, holidays are over. The start, of the, the start of the new year is not a bad time to think about the future. It's not a bad time also to give thanks for the past. It's not a bad time to make resolutions. Each year, uh, many of us undertake New Year's resolutions promises to ourselves about what we are resolved to do, perhaps um, to do with our health. So I resolve to put on five kilograms this year. Uh, going well so far, you'd be glad to know. Um, I, and maybe to do with family, I resolve to see this person more, I resolve to see this person less. Uh, something like that, I'm not sure. Um, things to do with our work, our, our time and so on. How are you going with the ones that you've made? Are you someone who's made New Year's resolutions? Um, a survey I read recently came to the conclusion that the surefire, surefire way to fail in our New Year's resolutions is in fact to make it your New Year's resolution. <laughs> um, studies show that 8%, 8% of people who make New Year's resolutions actually uh, succeed. Eight <laughs> percent. It's quite funny, isn't it? Um, it's a bit depressing, isn't it, too? That's for sure. Having said that, though, what are you resolved to do? What are you resolved to do, whether it's a new year or not? Uh, are you someone who sets goals? Think about them now. Are you someone who, uh, someone who, who sets goals and, um, and what are your goals as you set them? Perhaps you're the seize the day type uh, carpe diem type person. So you're ticking things off your bucket list and, and so you can put them on Facebook and so your friends can see what you've done. Uh, um, you're, you're resolved to squeeze the marrow out of life now for all it's worth. That's what you're, you're after. Uh, to quote the eloquent 20th century prophet John Bon Jovi... Um, <laughs> Is it going to work for me? It's not going to work for me. I pity I've got a great picture of John. It's on and everything. There he is. It's my life. Uh, it's my life now. It's now or ever. I ain't going to live forever. Um, profound. <laughs> I love that. I love that hair. Isn't it beautiful? Uh, eat, drink, and be merry. Uh, just as a side point, by the way, uh, Michelle and I saw Bon Jovi in Abu Dhabi. Uh, it was awesome. Um, <laughs> eat, drink and be merry. So, uh, it's not going to work for me, guys. I might have to give you the nod every time, all right, just sort of 
That'll do. Thank you very much. Um, so the thing about our resolutions is that our, our, our resolutions, they shape us, don't they? When we make resolutions, what are we resolved to do? They shape us, they influence us. What, what direction we want to go, they define our satisfaction. That's what resolutions do. And so today, what are you resolved to do, to be? And as we think about us as a church as well, this is a good time for us to think about what are we resolved to do and to keep doing. What are we shooting for? What are we, what's our target? So again today, what are we resolved to do to be as a church? Now let, let's turn our Bibles to uh, Apost- the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. That's uh, what Zoe read to us before. Um, I'm going to encourage you to bring your Bibles to church, okay? Um, I, I think it's really great if we actually see in context what we're reading. It's very important. Bring your Bible along. Uh, some things will be up there, but not everything. Uh, if you're looking at a, a church Bible that are out the back somewhere, it's page 1,165. What we read in this passage uh, from Colossians 1, to 2, verse 5 is a very personal statement very personal statement from Paul, and you'll find on the back of that outline too, uh, a very personal statement. And we'll notice his purpose, and we'll notice his method, and we'll notice Paul's message as well. And as we do so, as we think about this, we'll think about our purpose as a church, and we'll think about our method, and we'll think about our message, God's message. We'll, We'll ask the question, why do we do what we do? Why do we do this, this, together? Why do we do that? We're going to start doing something a little bit strange. We're going to start at the end of this passage here and work back to understand the whole. That's why having it in front of you is really important. We're going to look at these puzzle pieces, if you like, bits there, bits there, bits there, and then we're going to put the puzzle together at the end and see the, the, the big picture of that passage. That's our plan. Okay, so first of all, let's see Paul's purpose our purpose. So in 2 verse 2, it's up on the screen there, Paul's purpose for the churches as apostle, teacher and pastor is threefold. That they may be encouraged in heart, united in love and having the full riches of complete understanding, knowing the mystery of God, namely Christ. Now there's a number of little mysteries that we're going to unpack in this passage this morning. I want you to keep listening and maybe already you've got a bit of an idea of what this mystery might be. What might it be as as we read it through fully before? What's this mystery that's being referred to? So first, Paul's purpose for the churches, Colossae and Laodicea that that he's writing to, churches just like us, that they would know the comfort and courage from knowing Christ, that they would be encouraged in heart. I'm going to use the term being a grace-filled church now and then. It's that type of thing, that they would be encouraged in heart because of the gospel. It's something they do together. They share together, this encouraged in heart. Second, that they would be bonded together in love by the love of Christ that they share. The ESV puts it knitted together. It's a great little analogy. If you can imagine some knitting, (laughs) knitting, knitted together in love. And third, that they would have the confidence or assurance that knowing Christ brings. Knowing Christ is where wisdom starts and finishes. 
It's God's greatest treasure, passage tells us there. The secret of the universe, which is now no mystery, it's, it's no longer hidden. Hidden. What a wonderful picture of church, isn't it? What a wonderful picture of God's church. Encouraged in heart, united in love, and having the full riches of complete understanding, knowing the mystery of God, namely Christ. What a wonderful picture of God's church. Uh, A few months back, you guys said goodbye to Barry and Annette. Uh, I did a bit of digging around and asked a few people, how was that day? Now, I sort of knew the answers, to be honest, but I wanted to know how it was. And yes, it was a day of sadness. It was a day of sadness as you said goodbye to friends, uh, your, your pastor, two people ha- who have shared their lives with you. But it was also a day of great thanksgiving to God for the ministry of the past 16 years, was it not? Uh, it was a great day like that. There was a great sense of bonding together, I'm told. You sung with full hearts. You shared stories and encouraged each other and I even... I believe you even shared an epic morning tea or something like that. Um, I've heard a lot about the morning teas, no pressure, but that's why, of course, I came. Um, (laughs) As you heard the word of God together, as you heard the word of God proclaimed from Matthew 5, you were encouraged in heart. You were united in love. And as you understood more of God's purposes for us in Jesus and what he has done for us, you grew in confidence and assurance. I'm told it was a good day. Uh, And no doubt there have been many others like it as well. Well, the Apostle's resolve, his purpose, is not just for the church now as they meet together. There's a final goal which shapes Paul's purpose, his method. The apostles do what they do, and we can see it up on the screen in the next slide, thanks guys. 1 verse 28, the second part of 1 verse 28, and you can see it in your Bibles as well, so that we, here's their purpose, so that we, it's the apostles, may present everyone perfect in Christ. That is, when we are presented before God at judgment. We're all going to meet God one day in judgment. We will. And their purpose, they do what they do, so that they may present everyone perfect in Christ. If we um, skip back to verse 23, we'll see it up on the screen just in a moment, it spells out Paul's resolve for followers of Jesus to continue to keep going for that day. They're keeping going for that day that they continue in their faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. So, How can such a wonderful thing happen? A church that's resolved, this is their resolution, they're resolved to be filled with people encouraged and united, assured in Christ, who continue in their faith, established and firm. Well, we're going to focus on, get a bit more context. We're getting some puzzle pieces. And we're going to get more context to what we've been talking about here. We're going to focus on the verses in the middle of our passage to find the answers to these important questions. So point two on the outline, if you've got your outline there and you're writing some things down, I encourage you to write some things down. It helps you to remember things. Um, our method. It's the next slide. There we go. 128 states it pretty clearly, doesn't it? What's their method? What's Paul's method? We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. So Paul's method, you could say his manner, is to proclaim, 
Proclaiming means with words. When you say it with words, to announce, to declare, to preach is one way we do it. So proclaiming, admonishing. Admonishing means warning. Where warning is part of what we do. Now, what are we warning people about? What's he warning them of? That's a little mystery that we need to work out. Stay tuned, keep listening, because at the end, we're going to answer that question. Okay, Keep that in the back of your head. Have a think about it, though. So, uh, proclaiming, warning, and teaching. That's Paul's method. How does he do this? Well, first of all, he does this as a servant. Suffering for the sake of the church. Not flashy, self-serving showboats with expensive teeth, um, but servants of the gospel. Servants of the church. Let's pick it up, up again from verse 23. This I don't have up there, so have it on your sheet if you like, or just listen carefully. This is the gospel that you heard, Paul says, and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Let's just press the pause button for a minute. There's some tricky things here, aren't there? I don't know if you've picked up on them. What does he mean by the phrase, still lacking? That Christ's afflictions were still lacking? And presenting that he presents the word of God in its fullness. Again, we need to see it in the context of what Paul's been talking about. Paul's speaking about his method, which he's just stated clearly in 1 verse 28, hasn't he? His method. Uh, What's Paul not saying first? Let's do that. What's he not saying here? Paul's not saying that Christ's afflictions, what was suffered for you, that is the cross, the cross where Jesus died, he's not saying that, that that was lacking or inadequate in any way. This would contradict all that he's said already so far. In his service, Paul suffers in his flesh for the sake of the body, uh, the church. It wouldn't take long for us to flip through the New Testament and find examples of how Paul has suffered physically for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the church. Take us a couple minutes. So his suffering fills up what is lacking in the sense that by the preaching of the word, the proclaiming of the word, to which suffering accompanies, Paul says, his suffering, the sufferings of Christ have their full effect in people's lives as they respond to the word that he's proclaiming. So as Paul rejoices then in his sufferings as he preaches the word, in his service to the church, that's his method. So his sufferings uh, bring the gospel to people and they respond and he rejoices in it as he suffers in that way. It's great news for him. (laughs) Funny way to put it, isn't it? It's quite weird, really, someone rejoicing in the pain they're going through. But the pain he's going through is for a good cause because they're hearing the gospel, they're hearing the word of God. He, He keeps going a little bit on that sort of vein too. He says in verse 25... For the word of God, the plan of God, you see, it needs to be proclaimed, taught and preached for it to be heard in its fullness. It's very, this is pretty simple, really. The mystery or secret needs to be let out. 
that it, it needs to be proclaimed, otherwise no one's going to hear it. Uh, if it's not told, it remains a secret. Now, you, you could say these days, because so many of us are plugged into social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the rest of it, um, it it's hard to keep anything quiet. Isn't that right? Um, it's hard to keep news quiet. Someone will find out some way with so much dependence. Take the latest Star Wars movie, um, for example. I've just got a picture here. It is. There we go. Um, the latest Star Wars movie a few weeks back, there were people who went into hiding because they weren't able to see it on the day and they didn't want to get a spoiler. They didn't want the secret to be let out. Off they went. Where's so-and-so? He's disappeared. Ah, oh, it's a Star Wars movie. Ah, I see. He's been away. Uh, Facebook was no longer a safe place, if it ever is one. Um, for God's secret to be known, for the mystery to be known, it has to be told. It has to be told for it to come out in its fullness. It has to be told, who by? His servants, God's servants. Now let's note something else about Paul's method as he proclaims uh, proclaims and warns and teaches. Skipping down to verse 29, thanks guys, uh, this is a struggle. This proclaiming, warning and teaching is a struggle, it's a labour. Uh, a few years back I uh, built a, a large deck around a pool with some fencing and all the rest of it. Now, um, I was the grunt work. I was the guy, can you lift that heavy thing? Okay, I can lift. Can you dig that hole? Yes. Can you hammer the nails in? Can you cut the timber? Can you do the grunt work? I didn't have to use any brain, just the... And it was hard work. In fact, I actually loved it, to be honest. Um, and my poor little pastoral cupcake soft hands <laughs> didn't really cope. And I had blisters and I split a nail. Oh. Um, it, it was hard. It was a struggle. Um, <laughs> Likewise, you see, Paul struggled. He laboured for the church. He got his hands dirty, got stuck in for the church as he served them. Serving others can be hard work, but it's essential for building God's church. Now, Paul's not boasting here in verse 29. You might think, oh, he's got a bit of a big head, hasn't he? You know, no, no, no. He just wants the church and us to know and appreciate the method or the, the way in which God, in fact, is working to bring the church to maturity in faith. And that is service. And sometimes, service, serving others, is a struggle. Now, why else might it be a struggle? Why else? Um, you see, yes, okay, there's the suffering for the sake of the church as many oppose the gospel. Uh, that, that is a, that, that's a struggle. Paul was whipped and he was beaten, uh, deserted, he was thrown in prison. Even as he writes this letter, he's sitting in a, in a prison cell, uh, lo losing or lost his freedom, all for the cause of the gospel. But sometimes, speaking about Jesus, proclaiming the word of God, is a struggle simply because people don't want to listen. Isn't that right? They just don't want to listen. Are you listening even now? Good. Uh, perhaps you're thinking about what the rest of the day might hold. I'm not quite sure. 
this struggle, though, is not just proclaiming the word. There's something else that Paul struggles in for the sake of the church as he serves them. Although I think it's not mentioned specifically in verses, uh, these verses. I think it's prayer. If we go to the next slide. Chapter 1, verse 9 tells us that Paul and Timothy have not stopped praying for them. Uh, likewise, Epaphras, who was with Paul at the time and was one of the founding pastors of the church, struggled uh, or wrestled in prayer for them. It's the same word as we saw back in 1 verse 29 that we see at the end of the, word, end of the, the letter. Friends, here's the Apostle Paul's method. We've seen his purpose. Here's his method. And it ought to be our method as well. What do we resolve to do and to keep doing? For we desire our purpose is a church that is encouraged in heart, united in love, and having the full riches of complete understanding, knowing the mystery of God. And who's that? Jesus. Christ. And that's therefore who we will proclaim. As the sign says on the corner just out there, uh, know Christ and make him known. Whether it be up here on a, on a Sunday morning or over in Burrowang or in our small groups, in our women's ministry, in our men's ministry, in, our, in over with our kids, in our youth, in scripture teaching and so on, we will proclaim Christ. And by the grace of God, this proclamation has been at the heart of this church for, for a very long time. And it's our resolve is for that to continue. So just like Paul, Timothy and Epaphras who proclaimed the, to the church at Colossae, we proclaim Jesus, the gospel, the message of God's grace, the word of God, the mystery. Remember this mystery? It's one of these little things we unlock. The mystery that has now been made known. God's plan of salvation in his son, Jesus. God's greatest treasure in whom we have the full riches of complete understanding. You see, it's where wisdom starts and finishes, Jesus. God's plan of salvation, which is kept hidden for ages. That's a reference to the Old Testament, which looked forward to Jesus. It looked forward to God's king coming. It looked forward to God's saviour coming. The good news, the peace that they longed for with God has now been made known. And such good news is worth the struggle. It's worth getting your hands dirty for. It's worth the labour, worth suffering for even. It is the secret of the universe unlocked. God's great plan to save sinners like you and me, uh, verse 27 says, a rich and glorious hope. So our third resolution is the message about Jesus we must proclaim. Let's go back then to verse 21, our message. It says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. You see, our sin, my sin, your sin, sin is our rejection of God. It's where we say, I'm going to... What we do is we, we put a... Instead of the crown being on God's head, who's the true king, the creator and the ruler of the universe, what we do is we take the crown and we put it on our own heads. And that's what sin is. And we say to God, I'm going to do things my way and not your way. That's our rejection of God. And that creates a barrier between us and God. A barrier of separation. There's no way through if, our sin is, if that sin has not been dealt with. 
there's um thanks guys next picture there's a number of roads in dubai now i'm not going to give a dubai illustration every sermon for the next six years all right i promise um however i just couldn't resist this one at, at the top there you've got a road called al kale road and down the bottom you've got a road called sheikh zayed road um at the very least they are around eight lanes one way that's that's a bit bigger than hoddle street um <laughs> And uh, when, when you, and the top one, our Kale Road, at one point has 12 lanes one way and 12 lanes the other. That's a big road. Now, that's, that, that photo must have been taken on a Friday, don't you think, guys? Um, I'm talking to my family here because Friday is their sort of uh, day off day. It's like our Sunday. And so um, there's not much traffic. It was really quite a good day to drive around. Otherwise, it's packed full of cars, absolutely packed. And when you first look across those roads, well, they, they take your breath away, and that's just the pollution. Um, <laughs> they are amazing, just amazing. There is no way you could cross them. No way in the world. Absolute suicide. And those who try, and they have, have died trying to do so. Uh, it just absolutely crazy. It's completely foolish. These roads separate one side from the other. And friends, that's what our sin does. Thanks. Next slide, please. Um, That's what our sin does with our relationship with God. See back in verse 21 again? And I want you to notice something. Notice the past tense because Paul's talking to Christians here at the church at Colossae. This is what you once were. Alienated. Separated. Enemies. Evil. Oh, yeah, pretty harsh words, aren't they? They might even seem a little bit exaggerated. Really? Is that really what I was, I was like? Is that really what I'm like without Jesus? But you see, what we're provided with here, we're provided with a diagnosis in the light of the gospel, whether we're conscious of it or not. Here's the true state of affairs for those of us without Christ. It's the true state of affairs for us when we did not know Jesus. That's what it was like. The gospel, you see, is a pathology report. (laughs) You could put it that way. We'll have our next little slide. There it is. Uh, or, Or a medical examination which reveals a deadly disease. In my final year of Bible college, I'm happy to talk about it another time if you like, um, I received the diagnosis that if I did nothing about it, I would have died. Uh... If I ignored it, I would have been lost. And so at first, like many people with similar reports, uh, I, found, I found it hard to believe. You know, I'm, I'm too young. I was about 30, I think, or a bit about that age. Um, I, I'm fit and healthy. I'm just fine. The truth is, I was not. I was not just fine. As with the gospel, the true state of affairs... Without Jesus, we are not fine. Uh, That disease which separates and alienates uh, alienates us is what the Bible calls sin. And it needs to be dealt with. If you're without Jesus, you're not just fine. You're not just fine. But listen to these next words. I love the buts in the Bible, by the way. They're awesome. Listen to these ones. But now, verse 22... But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death 
this is, we've seen the past, this is the present. This is what Christ has done. The follower of Jesus, like the people Paul writes to at Colossae, are reconciled. Big Bible word, it, it, it means made right, made friends with again, by Christ's physical body, his death for our sin. There was no, there's no way over that barrier of sin. There's no other way to God. But now there is a bridge. That bridge, of course, is Jesus. By his death, he has reconciled us. He's made us right with God. Forgiven our sin by his death. Made that possible by taking the punishment for our sin. And what what does this assure us in the future? So we've seen the past, we've seen the present, now we've seen the future. What does it assure us? When we are all presented before God when Jesus returns. You see the phrase there, holy in his sight. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Just like Jesus, in fact. Just like Jesus. So it's no wonder in verse 23, going back to verse 23, remember the warning? We asked the question, what's, what do we warn them about? Well, here it is. He warns them to continue, to keep going, because one day we'll all be presented before God. And we want to be holy in his sight, and only through Jesus can that be possible. You see, the stakes don't get any higher. So hold firm in your faith, established in the gospel, and not moved from it. So friends, uh, two big questions this morning then. As we start a new year, a new episode, as we think about our purpose, our method and our message, what will you be resolved to do? And what will we be resolved to be? Why don't we pray and uh, ask God to help us with that, hey? Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Uh, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us, I guess, um, scrambling around in the darkness, not knowing which way to go or which way is up and what's the right thing to do. Um, Lord, we thank you uh, that you speak to us. Lord, we thank you today most of all for your son, Jesus. Lord, we, um, we know that without him, we're not just fine. And so, Lord, we pray that today, uh, maybe even for the first time, that we would come to know Jesus and put our trust in him. Or that we would live for him as, um, as our king. Not put the crown on our own heads, but indeed put it on Jesus. So, Lord, help us to do that. Lord, thank you so much. I want to thank you so much for this church. Uh, thank you so much for the people here. Thank you, Lord God, um, for so, the so many servants and so many people who proclaim Jesus. Uh, Lord, help us to keep, keep doing that. And Lord, we only can do it by your strength. Lord, we know that you grow uh, churches and we pray that that would be the case with this church. So Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your blessings that are new every morning. In Jesus' name, amen.